Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Elizabeth, how do you do? Good. Welcome back from the hiatus I decided we would take. (laughs) We're back in BB Studios. Can you hear the birds? BB Studios is her minivan. And we're in the Huntington Garden parking lot. We had a nice stroll. BB, how has your spring been? Well, I guess I've just been collecting stories for the podcast, really. Oh, good. (laughs) No, I actually did. I was dating someone. (gasps) You became a dating lady? I did for probably like three months. Wow. Yeah, and that ended like a month or so ago. It didn't end in a great way. But not a terrible way, right? No. Just sort of a... You know, there's this line from Badlands, Sissy Spacek. um, She goes, it's that feeling when you're laying in the bathtub and all the water has run out and you're just kind of blah. Hmm. She's talking about having killed someone for the first time, but... Um, Appropriate metaphor. Okay. Um, no, no, no. I, you know, things like, don't have to end terribly. Things don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time I had a therapist. I checked in with her every like this relationship was logged mm. by another person. That's kind of interesting. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Like I checked in with her every single week, and she. It. I cannot recommend that highly enough. That experience because you're not going to get that with, if you're talking to your friends. Yeah. Like she, I would tell her things. Uh-huh. And she'd go, hmm, red flag. Or she'd say, no, I think that's okay. Or, you know, like she would give me feedback. That was interesting. So, anyway, yes, it's not ideal. Yeah. And I don't, we were talking about this. I don't know exactly how to. Oh, for. Really? Guys, we're recording. Thank you. I'm not sure how to talk about it because. Because you want to be respectful of the privacy of this, the individual you're dating, and uh, you don't want prospective dating people to go, I'm going to end up a superstar <laughs> on podcast For w- whatever the reason. Yeah. Don't want to talk about too many specifics. Sure. That's uh, appropriate. That's appropriate. Yeah. That's adult, right? It is adult. But it's strange because we have a podcast about dating. And also, I didn't want to record a podcast about dating when we first stopped seeing each other because I wasn't happy. Yeah, I get that. That's weird because that's like what we're talking about. Right. Irony. (laughs) Irony. So you needed a little bit of time to... Garden. Garden. Yeah. Okay. I I posted on Instagram me pollinating a pumpkin Mm -hmm. flower with another pumpkin flower. I think that got taken down for community standards. (laughs) 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 So what do you want to say about what happened? Do you have anything you want to share with us? Well, I do want to say two things, two things that made me think. So as I was saying, like, you know, having a therapist, I didn't introduce him to any of my friends, which is another interesting thing. I I think that's healthy. It felt weird. It felt weird, but I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I was never 100% sure, but I think having the checking in with a therapist was really helpful Mm -hmm. and I didn't need to really bounce stuff off of friends. But also, yeah, it kind of is a cleaner cut now. Anyway, I will only tell two little stories. Okay. And I mentioned that I didn't tell any of my, like, no one met him. So it's, I'm hoping that is, it's not like you're going to associate these stories with him because you don't even know him. I don't. I did. I didn't even meet him. Yeah. Did you meet any of his friends? Okay. No, we really kept things separate. I actually like that a lot. I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, the pandemic was a part of that. I don't think you need to rush somebody into your life 
just because you're dating, you know, into the other parts of your life. I think you're allowed to keep things separate for a while. Mm -hmm. It seems appropriate. Although I will say, like, I was concerned about safety. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the stories I'm going to tell. Had I not been checking in with someone, I I think it is important that you check in with somebody. Yeah. I just do, like, for, for many reasons. And this is something I actually shared with him because he's the first person I dated since we lost our friend Amy at the hands of an ex-partner. Yeah. And once you've seen that up close, it is hard not to see that possibility Yeah, all around. It's just, I mean, part of that, yes, post-traumatic stress. It doesn't, it's not everywhere, but there, there's a lot of, how do you describe it? It's like, there's a culture of men who think that they have the right to kill women. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you're just staring at me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't, this doesn't happen on another planet. No, I, I would say it's, it's pervasive. It's very common, but if you've never experienced it, it seems like just ridiculous. Like how could the person that I love and who loves me possibly hurt me or want to hurt me? Yeah. And I was afraid of, this is someone that I didn't have any mutual friends with. And so he was not vetted. In he any was not way. vetted. Yeah. That's nerve wracking. It is very, yeah, it really is. Anyway, I chose to share that with him really early on because it was I couldn't pretend it wasn't happening I was very anxious and I really wanted to take things slow so I did I was pretty upfront with him I even told him about Amy you know I didn't go into great detail and then um, maybe I think two or three dates into it he suggested or he just wanted to kind of feel out how I felt about Shabari What's shibari? Oh, shibari is when you are tied up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a... Immobilized. Immobilized. Yeah. I mean, it's a very lovely Japanese art form of tying... And it is an art form. Tying you up. Yes, that you need to study and practice uh, with a willing participant. He was wondering if that was something maybe we we could get into. Okay. Um, Made me think maybe he didn't hear the part (laughs) where I said I was fearful for my life. It's like, you know, it would calm her down. Yeah, so that was pretty early on. No, I mean, what is that? What is why is that like third date material? I I cannot say because I have no, I don't have answers. I'm just I'm just telling that story from my perspective. It made things seem like maybe they weren't going to go in a direction that was work for me. And then the other thing that made me think that maybe we weren't on the same page was he saw a photo of us in our French made costumes. Right. That's Bibi and Fifi Poubelle. That's our persona. These Velvet Hammer Burlesque and then Lucha Vavoom. That's, those were our, our characters, our gimmicks. Yeah. For, they continue to be so, but for yes. 20, 20 years. And one time we should really tell like a, a string of stories of gigs we've had in those dresses. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty entertaining. Yeah. Um, but none of them involved fucking someone. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of the point. <laughs> We're like these haughty French maids that you can't come near. Exactly, <laughs> crush you under our shoes. Yes, we'll, well, with a withering gaze. Yes. Okay, so those were our, our work costumes. Did you ask him if he wanted to wear his uniform? And in, in... <laughs> no. Does that work no. for everybody? Can you be like, hey, that Best hey, Buy, yeah. Best Buy Buy T-shirt? Keep, no, keep the name tag on. <laughs> it feel. Yeah. You can't disassociate. But you know what? And then I will be honest and say. I thought it was stupid. Yeah. No fault of his. No. It, they're very hot outfits. I get it. Costume play. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Just not my thing. Yeah. But before I got too judgy, I remembered that I actually have had a romantic encounter in a costume, and I thought I should share that with our audience. Let's hear it. Okay. 
and I'm sorry if this gets too graphic and makes you uncomfortable, but I'm just going to tell it because this is a podcast about doing it. I was with a partner. We hadn't been seeing each other for very long, and it was around Halloween, and we're out shopping, and we were at a costume store. Mm-hmm. and Hollywood toy and costume? I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he pointed out this costume, and we both like kind of looked at it and kind of laughed about it. Uh-huh. You know that situation? <laughs> yeah. And then I went, I went back later, and I actually bought it. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I did the classic. I went over to his house. I put on stockings and garters uh-huh. and our black knee-high boots, the shiny, yes. you know. Patent leather. I did the whole thing where I like opened the door. Did you have a trench coat on? No. Uh-oh. I was praying. <laughs> I just had this costume. <laughs> the stockings, the garters, the boots. I was praying. What was the costume? No one was in there except for him. Uh-huh. Um, I knocked on the door. Uh-huh. He said, yeah, coming in. And so I did the whole like I stuck my leg out, you know, like <laughs> the uh-huh. thing where you do like the kick. Yeah, yeah. You kick and uh-huh. then... Like, you just see the leg, like, a and whatever uh-huh, it is. Uh-huh. And then he came to the door, and he threw it open. He saw me wearing that costume and was so excited about it. Sorry, Vera, I know it's disgusting. We went straight to the bedroom. I did not take the costume off. And afterwards, he said that that was one of the sexiest times he's ever had in his life. And he was just so... But the thing about it was, like, I put on the costume for him, you know? Like, I I did this thing for him. You, you haven't... S- the costume. I know what the costume is. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's why you let me keep talking. <laughs> Do you want to say? You know what this costume Did I tell you the story already? Or does everyone know the story? <laughs> Just say. I mean, it was a hot dog costume. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> god damn it (laughs) okay how do you know god damn it you know what I don't want to know how you know (laughs) alright well there you go (laughs) any squirted mustard Well, there you go. Okay. Well, we're done with that. All right. We have a guest (laughs) that we've been sitting on this interview for so long. We love her so much, and we're so happy to have interviewed her. She's amazing. Her name's Natasha. Let's get into it. Okay. You ladies were actually part of my introduction to burlesque, you know, it feels like maybe a thousand years ago. <laughs> it was the the Velvet Hammer. Yes, yeah. yeah I was underage back then, getting a fake ID at MacArthur Park. Yes, oh my God, I did get that <gasps> Yeah, and then later, I think we all performed together at the Derby. There was like a pillow fight. I'm, I'm telling you, so many years <laughs> have passed. Like many, many lifetimes have gone by. We were talking about when you first came onto our radar as La Cholita. I remember when I first saw you that La Cholita look was platinum blonde, giant bumper bangs, these eyebrows that were like, I don't know, how would you describe the eyebrows? They weren't quite like the pencil, but they were they were very like... Yeah, problematic. What? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, the inspiration, I will say, you're right. Yes. The inspiration came, I had gone to a show, actually it was Teaserama. It was the year that it was here in Los Angeles. 
even though it was an LA show, like there really wasn't any Viva La Raza. I wasn't seeing that sort of representation. And so Cholita came to me on a mushroom trip and uh, <laughs> as she would. Right? And I just went with it. At the time, I was dating a guy who shortly after that ended up in prison. And uh, yeah, it was like. It just very much became a part of this like burlesque persona. And yeah, the thing I loved about it, honestly, is the struggle that I've had with my identity most of my life. My mother is Mexican-American. My dad was who knows what. And there was always this kind of, you know, push-pull between my identity and who I was and and how I identified myself. So when it came to burlesque, I love that this idea of Cholita, it started conversations because even now we're just now opening this conversation of what it means to be Mexican-American in Los Angeles or, you know, Hispanic, Latinx. There's a lot of different ways to identify Mm -hmm. now. And we're opening that conversation. So, So it's good. I like that it made people think. I like that it made people start talking, whether it was good, whether it was, uh, you know, questionable. It was incredibly striking. Do you still perform as Lotcha yeah. or you go under your, your regular name now, Natasha Estrada? I kind of made the transition into, initially, I wanted to represent something that I didn't see represented. And I wanted to embody everything that had sort of influenced me in my personal upbringing and my personal life and my personal journey. And then I had a kid and I had been touring all over the world. And I just thought like, I had grown out of it almost like a teenager in a way, you know what I mean? I needed a new identity and I had achieved a lot, which was great, but I wanted to reinvent myself in a new way. So, um, well, you, you're a single mom now, is that right? Yes. You guys- yeah, put the word out. Single, ready to tingle. <laughs> Hit me up. Slide into those DMs. I'm ready. I mean, the quarantine has made it much more difficult to date, um, but you weren't dating before, right? Or were you? I do date. I've been on all of the dating apps off and on, off and on, off and on. Right before the quarantine, I was seeing somebody and we kind of like broke up as the quarantine, like ha- probably that week like the week that it happened and then he's also an actor so you're home alone and what are you doing you're only watching tv and so it was like every every netflix every hulu ad was this dude and i was oh no and everybody's like oh i just saw this movie and it was like oh like (laughs) you know the worst (laughs) <laughs> That's the problem with dating in LA. Like your your ex could end up on a billboard that you have to pass don't every day. Don't fucking date anybody who could end up on a billboard. Like don't do that. Don't do it. You'll regret it. <laughs> yeah, but it was difficult. At the same time, you know, like everybody else, I know it sounds super cliche, but over the course of the pandemic, I really went inwards. I did a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of soul searching, meditating, all of the things. And it was great. I think I discovered a lot about myself. I found a lot of compassion and forgiveness for myself. You know, I think it was needed on a lot of levels for a lot of people, whether they realized it or not. I did just have my first socially distanced date, though, like in a year. I decided to go back on Hinge and I met an entertainment lawyer. He's from Italy, very handsome, but no sparks. I, we're no second date. Oh, that's too bad. Where did you guys go? How'd it work? 
Oh, we didn't go anywhere. We were outside socially distanced, mm -hmm. with, like masked. And then we had a glass of wine and talked. He was very a total sweetheart. But I think he was a little I think I was a little much. I think I'm a little uh. much for a lot. So. <laughs> tough, you know, it's a tough fit. I, uh, I was just watching some of your old performances. I caught one from Bordello. Um, you did the most, um, how do I put this? The removal of your glove. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was the most yes. obscene removal of a glove that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> It was really incredible, but you are an ama you're an amazing dancer on top of all that. Like there's talent on top of all of the visuals. So yeah, we appreciate you. Thank That's all I'm you. trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> it was it was hard as a performer, I will say, to find that voice, and I was definitely a loner, an outsider. But it worked to my advantage in a lot of ways. You know, as a kid, I always wanted to see the world, and I was able to do that through performing because I wasn't afraid to be alone. I did not have a warm reception from a lot of my peers at that time and it's an interesting time because yeah there was the velvet hammer but the velvet hammer was sort of transitioning right like the velvet hammer was kind of like the the i think the thing that we all wanted to be a part of but i think at that time right when i was coming in i remember going to those shows and it was starting to transition into something else and mm -hmm. there was like maybe a show here or there you would see a girl it was a very special occasion and it was a very different time, I think, but it's a, incredible to me to see what it's become now. And now it's like this booming. Yeah. I mean, right before the pandemic, you know, I had like three different residencies happening. There's so many shows and productions and super high quality things that are happening. So it's kind of amazing to see that evolution happen. So talk a little bit about how your career changed after you had your kid. My first performance back, I toured with Dita. That was my first show. I had just had my kid. And two months later, I did that. Wow. And then, yeah, that was pretty wild. That was wild. And then I, I kind of felt like I had done a lot of things I wanted to do and I wanted to do more. And I think most creatives are creative in more than one way. You both yes, can relate indeed. to that, right? <laughs> I loved singing. And when I was pregnant I started singing in a psychobilly band so right after I had my son yeah we ended up getting a European tour so I went on oh tour all over Europe singing as a front woman in a psychobilly band playing huge festivals to playing like these underground tunnel just insane little venues but it was I think at that time it was almost like going through puberty again or something after becoming a mother you're you're kind of going through this new rebirth yourself and figuring yeah figuring it out. And I started doing acting. I, I left like a corporate job to start doing acting gigs as well. Yeah. And all of it just started happening. I just knew that I wanted more. So singing, you mentioned singing there. I, I just mm -hmm. saw an amazing recording of you with your new hit single, Fupa. <laughs> yeah. The super duper Fupa. Right. Yeah. You know, I feel like, so there's a lot of things after, after I had my kid as well, another big part that, that, sort of came in was comedy. I started doing stand-up comedy, something I thought I could never, would never do ever in my life. I had dated a comedian once 
before a stand-up comedian. Hey. And uh, when we were first dating in my Cholita days, we would go to these stand-up comedy shows, you know, at the comedy store or whatever. And I would see comedians and think, there's no way. Like, that's right. that's where I draw the line. I'll take my clothes <laughs> off in front of thousands of people, but I could never tell a joke. And um, after I had a kid, I felt like I had so much to talk about, really. Uh-huh. And so I did it. I started going to the comedy store. I started going to open mics, like improv, the comedy store. And then I started booking a lot of shows, really. It just kind of, wow. I loved it. And it felt, it felt so good. I had, I don't, it just kind of came out, you know, really naturally. So I spent a lot of time doing comedy. I really wanted to find a way. I've always looked up to women like Bette Mittler, and I really wanted to find a way to incorporate everything. So some friends of mine were doing a big telethon for this insane sort of business that they've started over the course of the pandemic. And uh, it's kind of like they deliver party packages to people, but really eccentric, wild, incredible party packages. Um, Wait, what's a party package? So uh, Courtney used to have a business called Disco Dining Club. And it's like this over the top, like they'll pick these themes that are insanely opulent. And so they were trying to find a way to to translate that to gift baskets for the pandemic. So you get this basket, you order it from the company and it has an activity, a cocktail, a snack and decorations all in this basket. Oh, wow. And when it's delivered to you, it's delivered by a theatrical performance. And normally they would have like a Fabio type model deliver this 80 and he'd read from 80s erotica novel, (laughs) but he was sick or something. (laughs) So she asked me to do it. But yeah, basically I showed up to this couple's doorstep and like did a song and dance and I really loved it. And so she asked me to perform for her telethon over the last year. You know, I've gained who knows, maybe 30, 40 pounds. None of my costumes are fitting mm-hmm. me. I go to the gym every day, but it's like not even about that. I don't who knows. Yeah. So I just decided instead of, you know, feeling shitty about it, I was like, I'm just going to sing about it. I'm just going to talk about it. I'm just going to own it. So I did it. I made a song on the spot. I had a guitar friend come with me and we performed and um. It was really fun. And I've never gotten such a big response to anything as I have talking about the FUPA. You know, it's like that. <laughs> Celebrating it's that FUPA. like kind of spot that people don't discuss, I think, in a regular conversation. But we, we actually did discuss it in one of our first episodes. Not only do we discuss the FUPA, but we discussed Shapermint. And we're like, we got to find out what the story is behind the girls doing the ads. How would we ever find out about that story? I, there's there's something that all the Shaper Mint women do, which we just decided is called the foop boop, where they, they're pulling up the shapewear and they get to a certain point and then they just kind of like go whoop. And it goes over the fupa. Yeah. It's the moment that you wait for when you're watching Shapermint commercials. You know, this is a very synchronistic time in my life, I feel like, because (laughs) since high school, I've always loved infomercials just for the over the top corniness and stuff. And I always told myself, I want to do an infomercial. You may recognize me as some parents do from my son's softball games as the snap into sexy woman from the magnetic lashes. Did that. That was me, guys. (laughs) I know. It's a lot. Um, (laughs) See, that was improvised. (laughs) 
And that was the worst experience. Let me just tell you really quickly. I saw this gig. I was really struggling at that time. And I saw a gig on one casting site. And it was like, we'll pay you $100 cash. It was like all the way in uh, Irvine or something. But I needed the cash so bad. So I did it. I got there and there was like 20 women. So they start doing hair and makeup and the day is going by so slow. And so they're like, we're ready to shoot. And I'm like, well, I'm still haven't done hair and makeup. And they're like, oh, you'll just be the girl without the hair and makeup. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that is when I learned if you do an infomercial or a non-union job, always bring your makeup. Uh-huh. Always oh, wow. bring your makeup. <laughs> So the Shaperman ad came about, I saw the casting and the pay was really good. And it was like, you know, we need girls that aren't afraid to show themselves. And so then I I got the audition and I made the video and I just like really went for it. And they really wanted to show, they wanted you to do that, uh-huh. pulling the shapewear over your fupa, your stomach. <laughs> wait, wait, and wait so, what's the description for that though? Like, how do they explain to you that they want you to do that? Oh, they had a link, an example okay. to to one of their previous ads. And they said, this is what we're looking for. So you can't be embarrassed about it. You you have mm-hmm. to be, you know, open to doing that. Yeah. And there was a part of me that kind of, you know, was like, oh, I don't. But then at the same time, it's kind of like, well, I might as well. I'm in a pandemic. I could use that money. And when all is said and done, who gives a fuck? Like, I'm, it's yeah. not like, who am I kidding anyway? You know what I mean? Yeah, but castings are always so arbitrary. You know, it's like she's, I remember this one, I think I've still saved it as like a screensaver because it's so, it was so insane. It was like, you know, she's your everyday woman. She's wild and crazy and stands out in every room, but she's not over the top. And I'm like, wait, wait. Which is it? Is she like? There was another time. It was actually for Missy Elliott or an artist. She was like featuring, you know, doing a sample for. They posted my photo. You know when they put like reference photos, Uh a photo of me in my costume as like what they were looking for, and I submitted and I didn't even get (laughs) an audition. They're uh, like, yeah, we're looking for that, but you're not quite right. You oh know, my god! So anyway, the shaperman thing, yes. So <laughs> you go in, they find clothes for you that are unflattering and flattering, but the whole thing is like really, they're there for the drama. That's the the image, you know. That's what the selling point. And so it was so corny. They kind of put me in three different scenarios, and then they have a person who literally has to come and like get underneath your role. You roll it under there, and it's a whole thing. You have to practice many times to get that fupa flip <laughs> just right. <laughs> it's like that, just right. It's like choreographed. Wait, wait, just right. Did you say you have? There's a person that comes in. Yeah, there's a person who comes in and rolls the shapewear. <laughs> what is their job description? I mean, I don't know costume? if it was the art department or the wardrobe person, but like, can you imagine being the fupa? Like, you're on fupa call. That is your, you're watching it. And there was times where like, I didn't do it quite right. And she'd have to come in and, you know, re-roll it like right the, underneath. It, is she the fupa, fupa fluffer? Is that what it is? She's the fupa fluffer. And if it doesn't look dramatic enough, uh-huh. 
they really have to come in and put like the bot, like the jeans that I would have to wear would have to be really tight. And I had to wear the shapewear under my fupa so that it would push it up and make it look not flattering on you know what I mean yeah. To oh yeah make it totally look less, yeah it kind of was like a body condom that just like pushes all the well I saw I saw I was just like I always stop at the Schaeferman ads because we're obsessed with the Schaeferman ads and then I saw this one and I'm like then I, I watched a couple times I was like that looks like Natasha but I don't know if it is because Natasha is this glamorous <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and then I sent you a message like, I just got to ask, are you? I was so excited to find out that was you. But also, I think it's interesting that it's it was so challenging for them to find women open to being vulnerable mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, another thing too is I've been a plus model for a long time, but I will say that most successful plus models don't have the fupa. It's like still a standard type of body shape, just larger. If you look at somebody like Ashley Graham, gorgeous, you know, and very full figured, but there's still that hourglass shape. It's like you're only accepted as or praised as a plus sized and seen as a sex symbol and goddess, you know, yeah, but you have to be big in the right places. Mm -hmm. Like she's got big tits and she's got big thighs and a big, big hips and butt. But like, you don't ever see even as a larger woman shopping for clothes. I don't ever see my body type, like it might be an a plus size model, but she never has that fupa. And I think about all how's my fupa gonna look in that? (laughs) How's my fupa gonna look in that? Like, I, you know, I appreciate that you've got a bigger girl. But that still isn't telling me how my fupa is going to look in those jeans or that swimsuit. So we need more fupa representation, you know, and I think like, I think that's the the biggest message here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was a good, solid chunk on Shaperman. We had some questions answered. Thank you very much. So I've been dating as a single mom for only, you know, four years or so. And are there any pointers you can give me on single mom dating? You know, okay, there's a few. Here's where I stand on that. You know, right after, right after I had him and I left in the middle of the night, I didn't leave him, I brought him with me, but I left my situation mm-hmm. because I had to. And I took time off from the whole, you know, I took two and a half years, totally celibate, didn't even kiss anybody, nothing. Then I went to Australia and, uh, I made up for lost time. I, think, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody in Australia that I did not sleep with. So um, sometimes you have to. I think and what I realize now at this point is that I you have to not be afraid to ask for what you want or say what you want and what you're ready for. And there's no longer space or time to do the whole, you know, dance. There's nothing, Mm -hmm. there's no shame in the game if you're just looking for a night of, if you're just looking for a one-off, do it, do it. You need that too. That can be, that can be therapeutic too, you know? On the other hand, if you're looking for more than that, put that out there. I think in any way, shape or form, as they say, it's like, I'm not really saying anything new, but you know, you won't scare off the right people. Mm -hmm. I just kind of put it all out there now it's like I don't really have time anymore to it's just it's a different playing field for sure Mm -hmm. now I think you're a lot more honest not only with yourself 
Cause let's face it. Like I paid for a babysitter. Are we going to do this thing or not? Like, are you worth the hundred dollars that I'm yeah. paying for yeah. me to go out? And if not, then I don't really see, I, I don't have that luxury of like, mm, let's just see like, no, I kind of have to have an idea already. I think it just depends on what your objective is, you know? And there, that's my advice is getting clear on what you want and what, and there's no limit to that. You deserve everything that you want a thousand percent. And that's what I would say to everybody. So make your list, check it twice and uh, <laughs> go out there, you know, go out there and get it. And whether that is, and sometimes you do need a good old romp in the hay just to <laughs> shake things up a bit, you know, things can get stagnant. And I'm really into energy, keeping that vibe, keeping that energy. Sometimes I do things for myself, whether it's, you know, buying a new piece of lingerie, even though no one's going to see it, but it's just kind of putting me in that mode. And I only wear it to Trader Joe's. Um, <laughs> I'll put something on top of it, but you know, like putting yourself doing stuff for yourself that gets you in that mode and feeling because sometimes it's hard to even get in that mode, you know, and I'll live vicariously through whatever Netflix shows <laughs> I'm watching or. Hey, major, but yeah. major props for leaving. I just want to give that. I just want to throw that out there for, for starting your life with your boy. Oh, thank you. You know, it is not uh, easy. Yeah, there's a lot of parts of yourself and a lot of there's a lot of soul searching you have to do in that there's a lot of sacrifice and you know, things, but yeah, it had to be done. So what can you do? That's like life will life will push you in those directions no matter no matter what. So uh, I was really lucky. I will say that I was really, really lucky to have a really good support system that helped me leave what I needed to get out. So that was fortunate. Not everybody has that. Um, and I, I do really try now that's like a big inspiration for me is to always give back, whether it's to other women, whether it's to other kids, whether it's to other communities, I think we always have to look out for each other. And you may not have money. But if you have time, if you have clothing, if you have resources, whatever you can give, always give back uh, in whatever ways, because that kind of keeps that energy flow as well. And um, yeah, but don't stop dating. Don't stop having fun. I mean, it's fun and you should go into it with fun. You know, I think we can get real. I'm actually loving Hinge right now. It's I didn't like date, date, try and date really until the pandemic. I would get on Hinge for a little while and then run away. But I've really liked this now. Like I can Zoom. Really? I, that I can do. I can Zoom. I can't maybe after work, like, you know, go meet someone at a bar and waste time that I would want to be at home with my kids, you mm -hmm. know, but but I'm loving like just you just like have a, a half hour Zoom. Have you met anybody that you've like Zoomed more than once with? Yeah. I have. To. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing, but okay. This is another question I have for other moms. Do you say right off the bat that you have kids and how many kids? And if you're the first time I put a profile, I didn't say I had kids, and then I attracted people that were not thrilled when you know. And then when I went up this last time, I immediately tell people that I have, you know, there's a picture of my kid, you can't really see your face. But I tell people pretty quickly that I have the triplets because like you're saying, like the right person is going to stick around. Yeah, the, the only reason I don't put up a picture of them or put up that specific detail of having triplets is I think it identifies me more. And I'm just for safety reasons, I don't want I've done both. Like I've said where I have a kid, but I don't ever like link back, you know, I don't have 
I don't put a lot of information out there. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, like this last time, I was like, I don't know, people are kind of creepy. So I'm not going to say I'm just going to leave it. But then I actually went on a date and then I was like, oh, shit, this guy doesn't know that I have a kid. And like, when do I? And then now we've passed a certain point. Is it weird if I bring it up now or, you know, like, yeah. And and so I think it's good to kind of get it out right off the bat because you don't. No, it's awkward. Yeah. I've had that happen where I went out on a couple dates. Or no, actually, we'd been talking maybe three weeks or something. And then I mentioned, casually mentioned I'd taken my triplets to Disneyland. And the response was like, what? What? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's just a good yeah. thing to take off. Yeah, but the Zoom date is like a whole nother element. Do you cut it off at half an hour? Do you have like a time limit? No, I don't have a time limit. But like I was on a Zoom date with someone where I knew it wouldn't go anywhere. So I just um, we talked about this on a couple episodes. But I just said I have to wash my dishes. I've talked to some good people, (laughs) though. And it just kind of wraps up after an hour. And yeah, I haven't pursued. You're like, we don't need to continue this. Yeah, it was fun for what it is. But you know, like I've kind of appreciated this pandemic also because I work such long hours. I want to be with my kids when I do have them. I was missing out on so much stuff before. And so there's been pluses, I think. Yeah. And also like the whole soul searching thing. I feel like that's also really influencing how I'm going about dating because I feel like I'm really starting from the beginning. I'm starting from like way before I was a parent. Yeah. Like it's really all about what what I want and how I can be present with other people. Like every touch is so – like – I'm noticing I'm so sensitized now to being with another person and in compromising on sex stuff is just not going to happen anymore because I'm not in that place. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you say that because I definitely over this last year, this is the first time in my life where I feel like same boat. I need to have I have a certain I don't want to say like a checklist, but there's like a certain something I need before I will embark or entertain that, you know, journey with somebody. I have a fella, great guy, very handsome. But it's like he only wants one and he's, you know, beautiful and all the things that maybe a year ago or two years ago, I would have been thrilled to spend a night with. But now it's like, I just can't get in that mode. I need more than that, you know, Mm -hmm. to be attracted or to be um, intrigued and to want to pursue anything beyond a Zoom Zoom call. There has to be that element for me. And I think it's that desire to really connect with somebody on a deeper level. And you're right. I love that you say it's like even before you became a parent, because I feel that too. I think so much of this time has been me almost dating the same person, even if I was no matter how much work I did, or I thought like, oh, this person, that person, but really understanding what those wounds were, or what that trauma was, and what those patterns were that I was contributing to as well. Why was I dating the person with the same attributes over and over and over again? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been a good time to kind of get really clear on what you want. And so that goes back to like what I was saying. I think that that really is the key. That's the secret. And you know, that's why I'm still single. But like, (laughs) you Getting really clear on what you want and not being afraid to vocalize that. Mm -hmm. I think there has always been that thing. And I don't know if it's a conditioning, you know, we have is like, well, don't say that because that makes you sound high maintenance or that makes you sound hard to please or that makes you sound too picky for just wanting somebody at a basic, you know, to have their 
shit together, at least at the level that you have your shit together, (laughs) right? It's like, before I became a mom, I was always expected to be a mom to other, oh, well, doesn't matter if he has a job. That's not what's important. Well, actually, it does. Yes. Actually, uh, yes. it does matter. Yes, it you does. know, and it doesn't matter if he, you know, doesn't have his own play. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does matter because I'm a grown ass woman and I have my own place. So why is that too much to add? You know, and yeah. that kind of narrative has been always pushed on us, I feel is like being a gold digger or being attracted to materialistic, those things don't matter. But we know that they do because there's resentment built around when you're not in a partnership that starts on a level playing field, and you have to have things to offer. And it's not too much to ask that the person you are dating has the things that you have. There's a lot of that that I think is sort of coming to light more recently in this in our pursuit of dating and partnership it's liberating to be like you know what yeah i think we've also as women we've realized that we're all experiencing the same thing you know as opposed to Mm -hmm. like feeling bad about our own our wants and feeling like we're the only person who's being too demanding or whatever but these are in a it's lot like of the cases. emotional awareness yes. too, right? Like that whole is a whole nother part of the conversation where I find, especially I think it's so funny because I was the queen of casual for a very long time. And I was very happy with that because I was traveling a lot. I was not steady. So I really didn't want anything more than a casual. And for me, what I find is always men coming to a conversation and I'm not, not all men, I get it is a mentality of not wanting the commitment, but wanting everything that comes with that. Like the casual as it's convenient for the other person Uh type of situation. Like it's convenient that I'm available on these terms or that you get, you know, these perks of being with me. But in reality, no, that comes with being in like you want a girlfriend without saying, I'm your girlfriend, or you want a relationship, but you are still using this terminology or these things so that you can bang other people, which is fine. And there's many people, let me tell you this, if you're on dating apps, there are many people with relationships that allow for that, you know, but you have to give people, I think, the opportunity to decide if that's for them or not. When you take that away, when you don't communicate that, and you don't give the person the opportunity, you might be surprised. Some people might be down with it. There's lots of people, it works in a lot of situations. You know, I know a lot of people in relationships where that is an arrangement that works out. But I think that's the key is just kind of being open and honest Honest. and communicative about your desires and your needs and with yourself, not just with the other person and drawing that line. If they don't, that's tough out there. It is tough. So. (laughs) Well, that's good. That I, that's been confirmed. Then that it's tough. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was really fun. It was great to connect with you guys. And um, yeah, I mean, I've I've been aware and such a fan for so long. So it's really lovely to have the Ta-da. opportunity. And I'm glad we got to discuss the uh, the fupa flip, the fupa fluff. <laughs> All, all of it. <laughs> Where can people find you and see you perform? And um, really, right now, I'm mostly mostly Instagram, I guess. I actually have a podcast. You have to come on it. It's Come to Mama Show. 
I'm talking to been talking to mothers from all walks of life for the last year. And it's been in tremendous from homelessness to psychics to all just every kind of situation and every mother from every background. So I love to really talk about that experience because it is so different for everybody. And we all got here in different ways, you know? Um, So yeah, so there's come to mama show. And then just my Instagram, that's Natasha underscore Estrada. That's kind of where I I'll accept dating requests. DM me. Oh, God.